Sex Communication, a podcast of explicit audio and frank conversation. How do we talk about sex? How do we communicate during sex? Well, if you're here now, then you're going to find out. My name is Brianne McGuire, and each week I share an uncensored peek into the things we don't discuss. Sex. 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 I can't say the word sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 102. Today I'm sharing with you my interview with Dr. Carrie Cott. She happens to be a podcast host herself. Her show is called The Universe Made Me Do It, and she is all about raw authenticity. Our conversation delves a lot into transparency and communication and learning from experience and really being mindful of how you react in any given situation. The topic of sexual assault comes up quite a bit. Um, And I think her perspective and the way she shares about how she's handled the things and how she's kind of come through different events in her life, um, I think it's really valuable to hear. I know I'm putting this episode out. Today is March 19th, and the world has kind of gone to shit since the last time I published an episode. So much has changed in these last seven days. Um, and while it may seem like this episode is going to be about kind of a downer topic, I think it's actually pretty inspiring because at no point in any of the things that have happened to Carrie has she lost faith in herself or kind of given up. She just responds continuously, um, with love and faith and, you know, belief in herself and that everything's going to be okay. And, I can't think of a better time for that message. So here we go. So hi, Carrie. Thank you for joining me on Sex Communication. How are you? I'm so good today and so excited to talk to you, Brianne. Yeah, it's great to run into each other. We found each other on a podcast group on Facebook. (laughs) So I'm glad you said yes to doing an interview. I'm excited to talk to you. So can you start by telling me how, how did you learn about sex? Did you grow up with it being spoken about openly in your household? Or was it something you came upon privately by yourself? How did it all start for you? Well, it was more of my self discovery. And classmates. And I remember one time my sweet mom, I love her dearly. And she came into my room and she was like, if you, whatever you want to know about sex, just let me know. And I will, I'll bring my book in. And I just remember <laughs> like being mortified of like, I'm going to intentionally ask my mom about sex. Uh, I don't know about that. So I never did. I never did. And I went on a self-discovery journey within with myself, but I also in the past had this thing where I would not talk about certain things. I felt like I, if there was something about it where it just was like, mm, I don't know if I want to ask my mom and dad about this kind of thing. And I also had this part where I would like to keep things secretive yeah. because I had a thought that if something was somehow wrong or that it would upset any of my family members that I should keep it to myself. And so I was also working with some belief system about that too. So like keeping it inward. Yeah. So I, I discovered it within my, with myself. 
And the book that your mother referred to, do you know what the book was? Was it The Joy of Sex or like an educational textbook? What was it? I'm not entirely sure, but for some reason, I have this in my mind that it was like some notes that she took at some point. And I don't even know if that's true because I didn't go any further into the conversation. My mind had cemented. My mom took some notes at some point in high school. She wanted to share them with me. Uh, That's so funny. But it might not even be true. (laughs) (laughs) I should actually ask her. What book were you referring to, Mom? I want to find out. Now I'm dying of curiosity. (laughs) I would have been terrified if my mother had said that. Oh, man. So when you say that you went on your own journey of self-discovery, first, how old were you when this time was? How old? Oh, my gosh. I was like, I was in sixth grade. This is, what am I, like 12? Yeah. So it's around 12, 13, um, I remember using a fetish perfume bottle. It was empty, and I started to use that to masturbate. Yeah. And, um, actually before that, it was like, I had this stuffed animal and I remember thinking my mom has to know, like, it smells <laughs> different. And like, I'm like, I just, I don't remember the exact moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I just remember being like, wow, this feels fun, different, <laughs> good. And Yeah, that was around 12, around that age. Yeah. So that's you're the first person to mention masturbating with a perfume bottle. So that's a first. So how (laughs) when when did you wind up getting like an actual sex toy? Oh, my gosh. Probably not until I was in college. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I must have been late. Like late teens, early 20s, um, it was definitely after I moved out of my mom and dad's house, I, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, And they were all clitoral stimulators. <laughs> that's how I started too, yeah. So, I mean, was that what you were doing with the perfume bottle? You were only using it on the outside? Because I just assumed when you said that, that you were using it as like a penetrative tool. I, I was using it as a penetrative tool. Um, and boy, I haven't thought about this in a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was definitely inserting. And um, I think what I discovered is that there was more stimulation and clitoral stimulation, yeah. but it was something that it, it w- was natural to be like inserting something. Cause I remember one time I used a banana and um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I took the banana and I was like going to school the next day and I was like, I got to throw this off the side of the road. <laughs> like you don't put that in your family's fruit ball. <laughs> Why wouldn't you eat the banana? Cause it would be protected with the skin though. Right. No. Ate the banana, it would have been totally fine. <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. I threw it out. I'm sure some some stray animal, deer, wild animal ate it. 
Well, at least they were nourished. So were you having, like, did you have a partner at the time that you were experimenting with or that didn't come till much later? How did it work out that like a person became introduced to your, your sex world? Yeah, that became uh, later. So as I spent like a few years just exploring this with myself and, um, yeah, that didn't come, that didn't come till later. So I spent, um, and it was interesting because I became really comfortable with myself that when I did start to have sex, it was, I didn't feel as comfortable with, with my partner. So it took me quite a while to actually orgasm with, with my partner, yeah. with any partner that I had, because I was, I think maybe because I had spent so much time with myself or I don't know, but it was like my personal experience with that it was it's funny that you say that I mean because I I feel like there's this wisdom out there now at least for adults right that are presumed to have kind of gone through any kind of awkward exploratory stage and they're you know like how to make the the sex life better and that this recommendation if you do focus more on your own pleasure and masturbation that that enables you to have better sex when it comes to adding people into the mix. But, you know, so it's curious to hear you say that in the beginning, that actually worked against you, right? So was it because you didn't know how to translate whatever pleasure you were able to give yourself into that experience? Like you didn't know how to communicate what you wanted, or you were maybe distracted by exploring the new sensations of contact with a person? I... I think for me, it was more of feeling comfortable with the other person and being able to express and communicate that. And, you know, from where I am now is totally different. And I can see myself in that space of being shy and timid and awkward. And, and I think on a deeper level, just not feeling safe. Like when I started exploring sex, it wasn't necessarily like, it was just like something I thought that I needed to be doing Mm. on some level. So it wasn't really like we've come together and we have super connected in this way (laughs) and like in whatever way that is, but my level of mindfulness and connection with that, I mean, it was all new. So, and I was kind of holding a lot of things in, in my life around that time. And, um, so having this experience with someone else was like, it was definitely, there was no communication about it. And I, I was really afraid to communicate in a lot of ways at that time in my life. So, um, I think that's the biggest thing for me. And then what I realized is that I like held a piece of me back. So like an orgasm, Mm. like those became held back and something intimate with me, even though I wanted to experience that with someone else, it was just like, I wasn't fully there and I didn't, I was, didn't feel safe in the space. So it was like, I can't, I can't give this on some, on some level, granted, I wasn't thinking that at the time, I was just kind of like going through some motions of like, you have sex, 
And, um, and then when I was, when I was 16, I was raped by one of my classmates. And so that, that became a whole different dynamic within sex for me because it was something that like he had come to school with and told everyone. And then I got like teased about it. And I just remember thinking like, I woke up and he was having sex with me. And then it was like, I passed out, like I'd gone upstairs to go to sleep and I woke up and this had happened. And I just remember being like, this doesn't, this isn't right. But I had stuffed it down because everybody knew and they were teasing me. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, but I didn't want this to happen. And so that put a whole different spin in sex. It became even more like separated for me, like a disassociation yeah. of, of like intimacy and connection didn't really exist with sex. Sex became like this thing. So, so before this happened, and I'm so sorry that that happened to you, but before this guy raped you, I mean, were you, you were having partner sex before that? It sounds like. Yeah. So I dated this guy and I actually ended up marrying him later in my life. <laughs> and, um, so I dated him and we had had sex. And I remember thinking when that had happened that I had already had sex. So I certainly couldn't say anything about that experience. So I had had sex with my partner, with my boyfriend. And it was just, it was still like something like you just do you just have sex because you have a boyfriend or you'll have a partner. Yeah. It wasn't like this. And obviously, I mean, there's a teenager, so it wasn't like a certain level of maturity around it. And I was exploring things and relationships and dynamics and interactions with men and partners. And so, so when you, so yeah, like, well, when you, you say you, you didn't think that you could talk about it, you're talking about the rape? Yeah. So what, or did, any of it, really. I uh, mean, yeah. it's just like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Like I shouldn't be having sex. Oh, so you felt like it was a punishment for having sex prior to that? No. Um, I just meant like I didn't feel comfortable talking about any of it because I had it that like I shouldn't already be having sex. And and then when that happened, the thing that went into my mind was my mom and dad are going to find out that I've already had sex and like, that's not going to be good. And if anybody finds out that I've already had sex, then this, what happened is just, it's not, it, it's less believable. Yeah. And that's what went through my mind at the time were those two particular things. And that's why I didn't say anything because I was just like, it could be worse. I lived in this fear that it could be worse. Like nobody's going to believe me. And then what am I going to have to deal with then? So how did you survive all of that? How did you get to a place where you were able to, to experience it differently? Or did you ever talk about it after that? Um, I guess I told one of my friends because he said my, my closest friend 
that I had growing up, he said something to me years later and he, he used the word rape and I, it took me a really long time to use that word. Yeah. I just didn't engage with it. And, um, so he said something to me and it was not until I was like, gosh, how old was I? I was like 20, eight or 29 until I actually acknowledged it for myself. And I did this course um, called the landmark forum and it's about like completing your past. And one of the things that the, the instructor said to me was call your actions and complete your past. And I was like, Oh, I have to call this guy from high school yeah. and I need to complete this for myself because in my mind I had it that it didn't actually really happen the way that it happened. And I was like, I just need to complete this. I need to acknowledge, like I just need to actually say it out loud. And so I called him and um, I had a conversation with him and I said, this is how I remember it happened. And did it happen for you this way? And he said, yes. And then I just said the impact that it's had on my life in relationships and um, relationships with men. And I completed that. And then it was like, okay. And then I had a conversation with my mom and dad, but it took me another year to actually tell my mom and dad. I was so horrified to tell them about that. So that took another year. And, um, And then I told my brother and then, you know, it was like letting, releasing this thing. And, um, yeah, so it took, it took a while for me to actually complete that. And I had spent lots of years having sex with people that maybe I didn't really want to. And this like disconnection, it became like this tool or this thing versus this magical experience. So, oh, I have so many questions. So when you, you spoke to this guy, which, I mean, I, I just know, I guess I myself, I have sexual assault and rape in my, my past. And I imagine a lot of listeners share that because it is very common, unfortunately. But when you, you called him and, you know, you guys both shared what the experience was like for you. And then you, you told him the impact that it had. What was his reaction? You know, it's interesting because I get that. <clears throat> I get asked that. Um, anytime that I share this and the only thing that I remember him saying is I just didn't expect to get this call today. (laughs) And I know, right. And I just don't, I don't remember anything really about that conversation and maybe on some level because it wasn't really like after I heard him say it happened for me that way, it was like, that was what I what I was actually calling for right, was that. And I don't, I don't remember other parts of it, but this is also interesting because he had contacted me, um, like a week prior to when I did this course and he said, Hey, I'm in Florida, da da da. And I was just like, Oh my God. And I was so angry. I was like, fuck you. Why are you, fucking contacting me and and then I did this course and I was like this is perfect now I have his number (laughs) yeah and um and the thing is is that I remained friends with this person 
for a really long time because I grew up in this tiny town and there was literally only a handful of people there. And so in my mind, I was like, it's, it's better to try and be on some sort of peace because there's like 20 people in my class and it's a really small town than to create disruption. I was trying to continuously avoid this. So I interacted with this person for many, many years. Yeah. And that I think played some sort of psychological role in my interaction with men and with sex because I was just like, it stuffed it down. And then I remained friends with this person. Like they remained in my life. So, um, yeah. So when I, when I called him, it was like, when he said yes to, when I said, did this happen for you the way that it happened for me? It was like, that was, that was it. That was the moment that I needed for myself was to first say what I experienced and then to have that confirmation. And it was like the rest just blurred out. Did you feel, I mean, because there are a lot of things with this. Cause I, I, like I said, I, I've had sexual assault and rape. One of the, the things that happened to me, that's not even like the most recent, but I was, I was raped at a party. I was date raped. I used to say for a long time and it took me a long time to just use the word rape And I remember, um, I had been drugged. I had also been taking drugs on my own. So, you know, there were a lot of reasons why I didn't report it, but I had that confusion for a long time of, well, what if my instincts and what if my experience, like, what if I'm, I'm wrong about all of this? And I had for so long wanted to reach out to the person and ask the way you just described asking uh, this man, you know, like, did this happen the same way for you? So I'm, I'm amazed and impressed that you were brave enough to have that conversation. But I'm just wondering, afterwards, like, I can understand the importance and that relief of getting the validation of your memory and your experience. But also, you know, given that it it wasn't kind of a, it doesn't sound like he had a lot of, um, not sympathy. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, it doesn't sound like he was exactly sorry, you know? So, I mean, did that affect the resolution that it brought you? Did it make you feel worse after, or were you able having gotten that validation to walk away from the phone call and just be like, you know, like this issue is done for me and I can kind of move forward with everything. Yeah. So for me, um, it because it, it's interesting because when I've shared that story, people are like, wow, like you said, it was like there was no remorse or remorse, that's and I didn't I didn't really interact with that. Like I I had an intention before the call and it was just to complete this for myself. And I didn't have any expectation of him needing to be a certain way. And after I got off the phone, I felt better. Um And I also had, I was in this course at the time and it was just like this supportive community. And so I shared it and it was like able to share it in this way of like, this is complete for me. This is complete for me. And, um, there was also another little piece of that, that I had heard from my, the friend that I, um, 
shared that I I don't remember telling him about this, but I did because he's the one that played a pivotal point in me even acknowledging it. And he had told me that this man had then gone into like a local establishment and was like, oh, Carrie's, Carrie's accusing me of raping her. And he had shared that with me. And I, and I remember when I heard that, I was kind of like, really, dude? Like, oh my gosh. But then I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, I, I get to be complete. And whether or not he's complete is his responsibility and it's up to him. And, um, and, and it was just like I got to this point where it was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter if they believe me, don't believe me. It doesn't matter if he goes and tells 500 people this. Like none of that mattered because I was just like, I had that direct conversation and I shared what I needed to share. Yeah. And so I completed that. And I also had a strong intention, like this is complete for me. This is done. And I've been able to, and when I share about it now, um, it was interesting because I, even when I started to share about it, the word rape just didn't set well with me. So I had to come to terms with that, even on some some other level. But, um, yeah, I'm complete now with that. Do you feel, does it, well... I don't know. I, these things affect us all in different ways. So the partner relationships that you've had since then, you know, are you able post that phone call and, and, you know, completing that, that experience for yourself, are you able to communicate openly now or is it still affecting you at all? Do you think, or you've, you've kind of, you've really, you're just living on the other side of it in a totally different way. Well, I still think that there were aspects of a journey of that. Um, and I'm able to communicate in oh, just so many free, more freer ways with partners that I've had. That has been a skill I've definitely developed. And so on some level, there's fear that I've had to overcome in a way in communication and being transparent with sex and relationships. And, um, I mean, maybe it's still there on some, it could be there in some ways, but there's been a lot of, a lot of work that I've done in between, particularly that time. And now, um, I also spent a lot of time in, two different polyamorous relationships. And I think there might've been a part of that wrapped into that because I had this part where I then started, you know, I had like this disassociation with sex in some ways. Like sometimes I literally would feel like I would just leave my body. And, and then on some level, when I was in a partnership, it was like sex equaled love. Mm, Yeah. And, and the amount of sex was the amount of love my partner had for me. And when I got that, that was huge. I was dating, um, I was dating this guy and I had declared to him, I was like, look, like this amount of sex is required. 
And I just remember being like, wow, that's interesting conversation. And then because of his response, he was like, okay, yes, you know, like I can deliver that for you. (laughs) And then I'd done some meditation or something, something had happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been so equating sex to love and demanding of my partners sex because I've associated it with the amount of love that they have for me. And I just remember like calling him up so fast and being like, oh my gosh, I just got, and it involves you. (laughs) And um, he was just like, wow. Yeah. Like he's like, and then we just had a conversation about that and he got to share like his experience with me so far with that. And um, it was also that course that I did that actually in, that was a conduit of greater communication. Like I've been able to have all sorts of uncomfortable or what I think are uncomfortable conversations about sex and about relationships with my partners during the time. And, um, you know, I remember I lied about something and I just moments there was like, I lied to you. We have to get this (laughs) out of the way. I just completely lied to you about this. And this was when I was, um, in one of my polyamorous relationships. And I was, I was really trying to make myself be polyamorous because I thought that I should be able to be polyamorous. <laughs> and, I was, and, and on some level, it seemed very glamorous to me. And I was like, man, like, I want to have multiple partners. That sounds amazing. But every time that I engaged in a polyamorous relationship, I just didn't feel good. Yeah. And I was willing to take a look at that. Like, okay, is this like me being jealous or me having attachments? And um, so I I was like, okay, I'm in this relationship and I'm going to have sex with somebody else. But I'm going to have sex with one of my past partners because I trust them. And so I went out and I did that because I was like, I need to know if I can do this. And I just felt shitty. And... I lied about using a condom with my past partner and he had asked me about it. And I was like, Oh yeah, we did. And then like moments later I was like, no, I lied to you about that. And I was just like mortified because I was like, Oh my gosh, I've done something wrong. Um, I just now lied to him. (laughs) Like that's not going to be good. And now we're going to have this shit foundation and I'm already feeling like shit. Yeah. (laughs) And to even just be like, okay, this is actually what happened. And to have that interaction with my partner that I was having was really great for me at the time because there's so much of like, let me just show you me and dislodge the story that you're going to leave me because I'm not good enough. Um, You don't, you know, like you won't love me because I'm not perfect or you know, because I can't provide you something or, you know, whatever context has been in there. So in, um, go ahead. No, finish, finish. I don't want to hear. (laughs) And and I was going to say like, you know, I really get how my initial experiences with sex have had an impact on that. And my last partner that I had, which was this particular polyamorous relationship was so powerful for me and 
like completing a lot of things around that because I was able to be very transparent with him and he would listen. And it wasn't necessarily about he had to say anything. It was just that he would listen and he would share things sometimes if they were there for him or, um, but it was really beautiful in that way. And, um, and he never went anywhere, no matter how many times I told him anything or, Oh shit. I just lied to you five seconds ago, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, and so, I mean, it wasn't like, I was like, Oh, I lied to you about exactly what time I got here. No, it's like, I lied to you about something that has an impact or has an impact on you possibly. And, um, and I was actually able to really choose for myself that I don't want to be in a polyamorous relationship because I'd had it that like, you know, I should be able to do that. And I was like, no, I just need to come to terms with, I really love monogamous relationships. And from that monogamous relationship, then that be open to interpretation. But first that partnership. Right. And I, that, and my early stages of interactions with sex has definitely had an impact on that. And it were, they weren't about relationships really, even though my first partner, you know, was relationship. It wasn't really about relationship. Sex wasn't about that. It was a tool and it was a mechanism of love that could never be fulfilled. Yeah. So it definitely had an impact on who I thought I should be able to be or, you know, things that I should be into. And Well, it sounds too, I mean, the way that you describe when you first began having sex with a partner and, and even this foray into polyamorous relationships, what I kept thinking was, you know, this sense of obligation, like almost like you you know, like the next step in a relationship that you're in with somebody is to have sex and it not so much, I mean, yes, being a tool of love, but also being this, you know, thing that you're expected to do and not really driven by, I want to do this. So I'm, I'm curious when it comes to the poly exploration that you've had, do you, I mean, can you articulate or do you even know at this point, like what instilled that idea in your head that it's something that you should do? Well, this is, yeah. Um, obligation is yes. You pinpointed that (laughs) because it was like an obligation. Like I am a woman and I'm obligated to have sex with you. Right. You know, not every single person, but I felt that a lot. And it was so in the polyamorous, the thing the thing that stands out to me the most is it's kind of like um, an evolved thing that was there in my mind. Like I should be evolved enough in being able to love polyamory. Yeah. And it was also this part that I was like, I, how it was something about being girly like, oh my gosh, that is too girly if I want monogamy. Mm, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be the cool girl. I'm gonna be the like needy. And I never wanted to be needy. That was something that I had there. Like that would be really needy of me to want a monogamous relationship. 
And there's so much fear in that. Like I should be, I should be okay with this. Like I should be evolved enough to be okay and to love and enjoy my partner having other romantic partners. It was particularly about my partner having other deep romantic relationships with other women. It wasn't so much about sex. It was about the, the, like the partnership with other partners. Right. It's just, it's funny that the paradox of fear, because you're describing it in one way. And I mean, you know, that, that fear of not being the cool girl of not being, you know, this, that, or the other thing, or being too needy, kind of driving you into poly where it, I think a typical rhetoric that you hear, however accurate it is or not, is, you know, women clinging to monogamy for fear, you know, a different kind of fear, but fear nonetheless of like fear that if a partner has a taste of things beyond just this one-on-one relationship that that will never be enough. So it's just funny that you kind of like are running at the thing (laughs) and other people run from (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's kind of, that's that's kind of my personality. I'm like, let's just dive in and, Oh, this thing's uncomfortable. Okay. Let let me, let me explore that. So this kind of been my personality with a lot of things in life. It's like, this is uncomfortable. There's going to be something I'm going to get an experience. I'm willing to go there. The second time that I went there, because in the first polyamorous relationship, it was like, it was also had some BDSM. So it was a 24 seven BDSM aspect of it. And that's really diving in. (laughs) I said, that's really diving in. Wow. I know. Well, so like, (laughs) I was like, what is the 24 seven BDSM relationship like? Because there were aspects of BDSM that I love like so much. And I was like, what is that like? But I wasn't, I wasn't quote unquote allowed to date anyone unless it was a woman. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not really, I don't want a female partner. Like I don't, I don't want that. And so it was like, mm, I didn't really get to experience that. So then when um, this other partner showed up in my life, he was like, why would I inhibit you from doing anything? Like we obviously had a conversation, but he was like, yes, go out and date. And I was like, oh, I want to experience that. And so I was like, maybe I will actually like that, like me being able to date other people and be in partnerships and have, you know, have two boyfriends. Again, like that seems glamorous when emotionally, every time I've been in a partnership, it's like, I love my partner. And like, it's, it's really about connecting with them. And I just don't have interest in uh, other, other men in that way. It's like, I'm with you. And I'm with, I love being present. So I went on that exploration. Yeah. So I dived in the other place (laughs) and uh, was like, I can be polyamorous for sure. One day, one day I'll make it there. Well, (laughs) I did. I was there. I came, I saw, and I was like, it, it was really about me making peace with like, it's okay to prefer or to desire 
monogamy. Yeah. I'm just terrified of never being enough. Like, oh my God, he's going to get so bored with me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to get bored with him. Is maybe what I was really saying. Like, so yeah, (laughs) dove in, tried it out. So, I mean, you've given a few hints so far. So it sounds, are, do I mean, would you describe yourself as strictly heterosexual? Or are you heteroflexible? Like what, do you pinpoint your orientation in a new way? Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm pretty high percentage hetero, uh, heterosexual <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've had experiences with women, sex. And there was also this one friend that I had that it was like we had a polyamorous relationship. And I would say if I can classify it as that, it was the best one I've ever had because her and I connected so much and we had so much fun together and we would have sex and she would date other guys. I would date other guys. And sometimes we would have sex together. And it was just so and it was perfect. I was going through a divorce at the time. So was she. And so it wasn't like this. It was just this really great space for her and I. And that to me feels very unique to me and her versus like, you know, I don't have it like, oh, she was a woman or I couldn't do that or anything. It was just like her and that moment and the connection that we had. And other than that, I've, you know, I've had ex- other experiences with women, but it's, it's never been, it's, I say it's kind of like the sprinkles on top of something. Like <laughs> if they're there, that's awesome. Yeah. If they're not like, I'm totally satisfied. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, de- yeah, definitely more heterosexual. And do you, would you say that you enjoy sex now? And I'm talking about, I mean, not sex with yourself, masturbating, whatever, but like partner sex. Do you get enjoyment from it now? Yeah. So like I have blown the lid on that orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) Like really, especially with my last partner, because the communication, like I was, I was being willing to communicate. And so communicating about all sorts of things, um, things that I preferred, things that like when we would have sex, like well, I really like this or, you know, I didn't really prefer this. And like, it was just such a different space because I've been fully more with myself and present and being willing to engage that I've had such a different sexual experience and trust. That's the thing. So I had anal sex for the first time with my last partner and I had wanted to for such a long time. And so the first time that we were going to, I was just like, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I had attempted it in the past. And it was just like, no, can't go anymore too much. And the first time that we attempted it, I was just like, there was a point where I was like, Nope, I can't do that. And I was looking at it and I was like, what's missing here? Mm -hmm. That if it was present, it would have an impact on having that experience. And I was like, trust. I didn't quite trust him. I didn't trust that if I was going to say no, that he would stop. So 
once I got that, I shared that with him and I was like, look, like this is the thing that was missing for me was me trusting you. And I shared that with him and then we had anal sex. And then I remember being like, oh my gosh, it was so night and day to what I had been attempting or even imagining that once I shared that, it was, it became like, this is not, it wasn't even painful. Hmm. And I was like, holy shit, (laughs) just add add some trust in there and communication. And um, so yes, is the answer to enjoying sex (laughs) and and in a a lot of different ways. But the communication is so pivotal for me in that and being willing to say things like that and know that it's not about my partner. It's not like, Oh my gosh, you're so untrustworthy. It's like, no, I didn't trust, you know, like I didn't just, that wasn't there Yeah, and I can share that and I can say that and I can be like, you know, this feels great. More of this, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and also I, I love rope and, um, bondage. Mm. And suspension, and that requires, I mean, being in BDSM, there's a certain level of communication that's required. And um, and also having that particular dynamic in my relationship at that point, it just brought that communication to an even deeper level. Because there's so many, so many different moving components and factors in that. Yeah. So I just have to, to comment that this is just so funny to me that we met in a Facebook group that has absolutely nothing to do with sex. And you've and I didn't know any of this about you beforehand. And you're, you know, you've dabbled in poly, a 24-7 BDSM relationship, rope, etc. Like, I just, I, I think this is such a testament that these things are so much more common than people think. You know, like we met over a totally different subject and uh, like we're talking about these things. And I just I think it's fantastic. And I, you know, I couldn't have planned this better if I tried. But <laughs> <laughs> the universe is so funny. The universe made us do it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about, a bit more about the 24-7 BDSM relationship, because I, I think probably a lot of people that that do still have this idea that it's not very common, like at least the things that they know about BDSM or, you know, a few of the things you, you spoke about, like with the bondage and rope specifically and, and other things like that. But in the context of a relationship where it's happening all day, all night, can you just give some examples of, of what that meant for you? Or yeah, what it was I like? love sharing this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I want to just touch on that. It is, it definitely, I think is way more common than people think just because you're not talking about it. Right. Like if you're not talking about it, you don't actually know that. Like you wouldn't, you could meet me somewhere and you might not know that just like you shared how we met was not in some sort of sex chat group or BDSM group. But, um, so the 24 BDSM relationship is, it's a 24 seven experience and we had a contract. It wasn't, I mean, like it was a contract between him and I, and he clearly stated like, these were his boundaries and these were expectations. And then we had a conversation about it and I was able to share, like, these are things that I'm into. And 
So it's like a proper 24-7 or BDSM is there's a conversation. Like if there's not a conversation happening, something's missing. So we spent time engaging and really being transparent and authentic about like this is this is an absolute no or this is possibility. This is yes. And so I actually hated it. Um, <laughs> the experience because I thought that I like to ask for permission or be told what to do, and it's really just in sex. It's like the sexual experience, like that power exchange. There is, I love it so much. But outside of sex or anything engaged in, we're going to have sex or some aspect of touching on sex, like I don't want to be told what to do. So the part of the relationship that I had was I had to ask permission to go to the bathroom when we were together and I had certain requirements of like fingernail polish colors that I could or couldn't wear. And I had to address them as stir. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also had to ask permission to touch him sexually, which, oh my gosh, I hated so much, <laughs> like so much. And I, but I was so willing to like, be like, what is this? And I really connected with him. It was like, I was so guided to him. It was like one of those moments where you're like, I hear a voice in my head and it's like, Hey, do this. And then, then I met him and it was just like, Oh my gosh, there you are. (laughs) And, and so I was just so willing to go into it. And I was like, what's this like? And the more that I got into it, it was just like, I don't like these parts of it. I, it was such a clarifying relationship for me of, I like this stuff when we're engaging in any sort of sexual activity. I don't like this stuff when we're just like hanging out and watching a movie. Yeah. So how long did it and, take before you got to that point though, where you had that realization? Well, it was, it was really quick into the relationship. I mean, there was, there was a lot of things that didn't feel good, like not in like they were bad, but it was just like my indicator of, I don't really prefer this. I don't really like this. And the point to where I acknowledged it within myself was probably like, really was just like, I can't do this was maybe like seven months into the relationship. That's a long time. I thought you were going to say a couple weeks. (laughs) Because that was still at a point in my life. This, it was still at a point in my life where I was afraid of communicating. Hmm. So um, that course that I talked about, I hadn't done that yet. It was such a pivotal point of my communication. Yeah. And so I, and I actually also communicated. So this was also a polyamorous relationship too. And, um, I had communicated to him that I couldn't do the polyamory. And he said to me, he said, okay, well, I can be in a monogamous relationship with you. And I just remember thinking like, no, like you don't actually want that. Cause I was like, how could you say that you want something? And then because I'd been doing that with myself, like still on some level choosing things that didn't feel good or like, Hey, what's this like, but staying in it. And when he was like, you know, I'm willing to be in a monogamous relationship with you. I just remember thinking that is so not true. I just couldn't believe him. 
And then I was like, okay, well, I can't do this part of the BDSM relationship. And he was like, okay, that's, we can still have a relationship. And like, he was so willing to be in a relationship with me that I was just like, that doesn't even make sense. And one of my friends had said to me at one point, maybe he fell in love with you. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I was like, how could you not want to do something that you've done for years? was what was in my head. Like, this doesn't make sense. And so then I was like, we just, we just, this relationship is over. And so I ended the relationship, but it, it took me a while to actually communicate that. And I was communicating along the way. I was constantly communicating. Like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And so it was kind of like my mantra. Yeah. I don't prefer this. I don't want to ask for permission. I don't want to call you, sir. Like, I'll call you sir if we're having sex, but I don't want to call you sir when we're, like, watching a movie. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, and that was just my preference in coming to that. But also important for me to distinguish, like, I don't want a 24-7 BDSM relationship. I just want particular sexual dynamics and having different components in the sexual relationship. So when it comes to your willingness and openness and comfort level with communicating about sex now, do you think, you know, that your experience with BDSM, given that there is so much communication that is required of, of performing it truly, you know, in a, a, a serious way, do you think like that compared to the work that you did in the course that you spoke about, like, is there a comparison? Did one affect you more or did they affect you in different ways? Like how, which were the biggest impacts on your ability to communicate now? Um, the course that I did. Yeah. And I would say also my quote unquote spiritual journey. Um, that's definitely played a dominant aspect. I don't think that it was so much. It, well, the BDSM aspect played a role in that I knew that that world demanded it. Like that true, the true depth of that world, people, um, I've kind of met some people who maybe aren't so like in the communication, but I find that that's so much more rare. But I knew that that world demands it. Like it really does to do it right. Like you have to have communication you beforehand, during, after all of it, like transparency is where your freedom lies in that experience. And we're, you know, there's so many things you need to communicate about on so many levels. Like if you're being tied up, you need to know that this hurts here. This is pinching something. Those are important things to communicate. Like, um, I don't feel safe with you. Like you might want to communicate that and not engage, you know, and not engage with that. And also like, if there's going to be sex, like, have you had, you know, when was the last time you had your HIV test or STD screening? Are you, you know, do you, are you having sex with any other partners? Like that level of communication and knowing that not all BDSM is connected to sex, but I knew that it was required. So in that way, it played a, it played a role, but it was particularly that course, the course was really about getting stuff out of the way. Yeah. 
And there's been other other experiences and inward journeys and things that I've done with myself that have had an impact, but it's about like, how can I be my authentic self with you and be transparent? And once I got a taste of how free and easier things are with transparency and communication and authenticity, it's like, I know when I'm not there because of how it feels and it doesn't work. Um, because this doesn't work for me. Like I know the difference. Um, and really getting that, like, I love me and I love this person enough to communicate. And if I don't, we're going to have a bad experience. <laughs> like, yeah. if I don't communicate, something's pinching, something's going to go wrong if you suspend me in the air with some rope or if you're pulling on it. Like, there could be physical damage. Or, you know, if I'm communicating, I'm not safe, then I might resent you and not talk to you and, like, ruin this relationship dynamic or leave you wondering what happened. Yeah. And um, so it was really the course, the course was huge for me. And I did different courses with this organization landmark and um, communication and authenticity is like the foundation. And so it's just about being able to communicate, even if it seems like it's uncomfortable, you're afraid. And so being like that bold, being able to be bold in the face of like fear like oh my gosh if I say this to this person what are they going to think yeah wow so can you tell me a bit about the things that you you've discovered about yourself that you enjoy most sexually like what really gets you off these days oh (laughs) (laughs) a long list (laughs) well so there so intelligence has always been there for me. Mm-hmm. That is one of the things like some, like if my partner, or even if I'm in a conversation with someone and they are just so into what they're talking about and they know, they, they know whatever they know about it. That is like one of my biggest turn-ons is their interest and passion in something and sharing it. Like it just, it's so exciting even thinking about it right now. So delicious. <laughs> I love having some sort of sense like taken away, like being blindfolded or putting pressure on my neck, and it just sends blood to different areas and heightens other aspects. Like I find that with choking, it heightens it heightens other sensations in my body. Yeah, and um, so I love playing with that and then there's for whatever reason I've always just like there's something about anal anal stimulation um and maybe it's like this I don't even know if it's like because it's some sort of taboo thing but it's not taboo at all but it's just something that I love to have incorporated and it's in connection I mean connection is one of the biggest turn-ons for me. Yeah. I thank you so much for sharing all of these things. We've, we've managed to speak for an hour and it went by so quick and I still have so many questions for you, but 
I am still like blown away of the things that you shared and the way that we found each other. It's still very funny. I know, right? (laughs) But thank you so much for sharing this space with me. And do you have any questions or is there anything else you wanted to go over before we wrap up? No, I think if we did, we would just keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say thank you. And, you know, for those of you listening, this has had an impact. Let us know. And, you know, one of the things is, is that we don't have to attach ourselves to things that have once happened. And there's the, the space and the opportunity for us to experience things differently. And I think one of the most powerful tools that we ever have in any given moment in time is, is our voice mm-hmm. and is our communication. And being willing to communicate, having that be the first and foremost priority in anything can be really powerful. Agreed. Thank you. I really, uh, your journey is really beautiful. And I'm so grateful to hear all of these things and just, you know, get to get a little taste of what somebody else's experience is. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Carrie. Communication. Uh, I know a lot of us are doing that virtually because we have no other choice right now. And while it's not as good as face-to-face contact, it is the safest option. So I hope for all of you out there, you're staying safe, washing your hands, social distancing, etc. And don't forget to tell the people in your life that you love them if you do. Um, Just reach out to somebody and make sure they're okay. You know, if nothing else, I hope from this episode, you can take Carrie's sense of optimism and just unwavering commitment to taking action. I mentioned that she is a podcast host. I am linking to her show called The Universe Made Me Do It, as well as her website and Instagram. Please check her out. And until next week, I wish you all. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the show, visit us online at graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at sex at graphicpaint.com. I am always looking for new sex audio and people to interview. See you next week.